Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn to the book of Colossians? Uh, Turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you again. How grateful we are to be here today. Thankful that we can celebrate you and celebrate your goodness. Thank you that we can be drenched in your love, washed in the blood. Thank you that you know our name and we belong to you. How faithful you are and how good you are. We honor you this morning. And we ask now as we spend time in your word that you would open up our hearts and our understanding. Help us comprehend and apply what the word of God says to us. And we will live it to your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. All right, I'm going to read uh, verse 17, and then I'm going to read verses 23 and 24, which verse 23 was part of the screen that you saw today, the, the video you saw. But verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. I want to share a message with you this morning I've entitled, Work is Worship. It's kind of a strange subject this morning. It's a little bit different that we would be talking about work on Sunday, first of all, right? Uh, But it is Labor Day weekend. It's the Labor Day holiday. It's the day in which we celebrate work by not working. Isn't that right? I'm going to celebrate work by not showing up. Some of you might have to work on Labor Day, and I'm sorry. Uh, We'll pray for you. Um, But most of us, we get Labor Day off. It's a holiday. We get to take off. How many of you love days off? Come on. Love days off. There's been quite... All right, Rick, can you put your hand down? Don't leave it up that much. Um, We like days off, right? uh, There was a... Polls have shown anywhere between 65 to 70% of people either can't wait <laughs> till the week is done or don't like their job at all. So some of you might be in that 65 or 70%, and most of us are living for the weekend. Everybody's working. For, I should have played that song, right? Everybody's working for the weekend. We're all looking for, now again, there's some of you in here that have to work weekends, I understand. Some of you are like, shut up, Mark, weekend doesn't matter to me. Right, But this is America. You get to choose where you work. It's America. Um, But let me ask you this. When you think of paradise, what do you think of? What do you think of when you think of paradise? Some of you might think of sitting on a beach, watching the waves roll in with a drink in your hand. Hopefully non-alcoholic, but that's up between you and God. But you've got a drink in your hand. Waves rolling in, birds flying over, just feeling the breeze. Some of you think paradise is sitting in a mountain lodge somewhere or by a fire, you know, drinking coffee. For most of you, coffee's paradise anyway, right? Drinking coffee, reading a book, right? Ready to prepare somebody reading a book. Books? I didn't know they existed. Books. Um, We all have different ideas of what paradise is. We all have different ideas of what a paradise would be. And it might be different for you than it is for me. But one thing that we probably all have in common is that we're not working. If we're in paradise, we're not working. We we know this much. We're not reporting to the office. We're not showing up at the workplace. We're going to take it easy. We're going to soak it all in. This is paradise. Vicki, you just got back from the beach, didn't you? You were in paradise, weren't you? And now here you are. Had to come back to this place. We're glad you're back, though. 
So no matter what, how you look at paradise or how you look at your getaway, typically work is not involved with it. Why? Because we kind of have an aversion many times to work. And there are some people that have went so far to say that work is a part of the curse. Because the Bible tells us that after the fall, God said that with uh, toil you will have to till the ground. But God actually commanded Adam and Eve to work before the fall. Work was instituted from the very beginning of creation. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it in Genesis chapter 1. And then God in Genesis chapter 2 put Adam and Eve in the garden to do what? Work and take care of it. Work has been from the beginning. In the beginning of paradise, there was work. And then the Bible tells us at the end of time, in the future paradise, the Bible says we're going to beat our swords into plowshares. In other words, we're going to take our weapons and turn them into farming work tools. So paradise started with work and paradise is going to end with work. So we started out working, and we're going to end this thing working. Some of you are like, my gosh, I thought I was going to get away from work. (laughs) The Bible has a lot to say, folks, about the work ethic. And it has a lot to say about the dangers of idleness or laziness. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 11 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. You don't want to be called a sluggard. It's a bad word anyway. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. How many of you kill ants anytime you see them? I normally let them go on by as long as they're not in the house. If they're outside, look at them. They're working. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Some of you are like, I am never sleeping again. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 said, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. All right. So obviously, (laughs) these are commands and comments that are directed to those who are able to work. I understand that there are folks who are unable to work. And if you are retired, obviously, that doesn't mean that you're in sin. But even if you are retired, that doesn't mean you stop working. We're designed for it. Work is part of God's design for us. It's a part of who we are. It's part of what we do. Doug Ponder said this, Our work helps us discover part of what it means to be a human made in the image of God. 
It also helps us understand our own abilities and gifts. Work is one of the main ways that God uses us to bless other people. He designed the world so that our work benefits others. Just like that video that, that, that Don played there during the sermon. When you guys go out to eat today, somebody had to work to make that food for you. Somebody had to work to prepare the food to even get it to the restaurant. Farms had to raise animals and grow plants. And so work is not just meant to take up our time. It is meant to show what we were designed for, what we were made for, and to use our abilities and gifts so that we can benefit other people, so that we can help other people, so that we can add to. As Ephesians said, we should do this so that we may have something to share with someone who's in need. And this doesn't just go for nine to five people either. This doesn't just go for nine to five people. How many of you know parenting is work? Come on now. Parenting is a full-time job. You know, they actually did an estimate of the amount of work that a typical stay-home mother does if they have three children. And if they averaged out the amount of time and work that they put in, their average salary should be around $130,000 a year. Some of you are like, what's my cash? But parenting is work. And I'm only doing it part-time, right? No, I'm just kidding. I do it all the time. Cleaning and maintaining a home is work. Driving kids to everything that they're involved in is work. Cooking is work. Grass cutting is work. Taking out the trash is work. And only that, service at the church is work. Obedience to God is work. Folks, listen, love is work. Some of you, it requires a whole lot more work for us to love you. I should get paid for loving you. You understand what I'm saying? Love is, love is work. Why? Because work is an essential part of our lives and it demands us to put forth effort to do it well. Sociological and psychological studies have shown that without some type of meaningful work, people suffer emotionally and they suffer physically. And I believe that's true spiritually. If we're not involved in something that requires us to work, to do, to have activity, many times we feel like we've lost what God has called us to do or what God has created us to do. And that's why when people, many times when people retire, they sit down, can't wait to retire. And then they sit down and they're like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so we try to stay busy and find ways to do things. Why? Because we're designed to do. We're not designed to just sit around. We're not designed to just hang out. We're designed to do. Now, here's the thing. We may not like our job. I'm not telling you that you're, the job that you're at, if you don't go to work every day and love it and love everybody, that you're a sinner and going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. In most cases, we don't like our job, first of all, because the world's falling apart. The world has been affected by sin. Right? The fall destroyed everything. Okay? And that's why it adds stress to our jobs. That's why... That's why People are there. People are at work. <laughs> Some of us don't like our jobs because we just look forward to going home because we like the people there better than we like the people at work. And then there's some of you that like going to work because you like the people be- there better than the people at home. <laughs> people. So sometimes we don't like our job, or maybe right now you don't have a job for whatever reason. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe, maybe uh, your job, you got laid off. Maybe you're trying to find a job. 
You don't like job, you don't have a job, whatever the reason is, but that does not exempt us from work. We should always be looking for ways to work for the kingdom of God. And make the most of every opportunity that God gives us to provide for ourselves and our families. We should always be looking for ways to show love. Love to our family, love to our friends, our neighbors. Why? Because work comes in all kinds of ways. And in all kind, it, looks, it looks different for each one of us. But it does require us to do. It does require us to be active. It does require us to not just sit around. It requires us to get involved and do Paul tells the Colossians here something really, really powerful. And I believe it is, work is worship. Work is worship. Even when we don't like the job, we can offer to God our job as an act of service. We can do the job with the attitude that we will do it heartily. Heartily, the Bible says, as unto the Lord. That we're going to do... Paul didn't just, obviously, Paul doesn't say work here. He doesn't say go to your job and do it heartily. No, Paul is even more expansive. Paul says everything you do. He even says in word and in deed. Everything you do, do it heartily. Do it with your whole heart as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. That even means on casual Friday. We should do it heartily as unto the Lord, giving ourselves in an act of service and worship to the Lord. Why? Because he says our reward ultimately does not come in the paycheck or in the recognition of others. Our reward is the inheritance that comes from the Lord. Why? Because we serve the Lord Christ. When do we serve him? On Sundays? On Wednesdays? When we are at church or when we're reading our Bibles or when we're praying, is that when we serve God? Sure. But the Bible tells me that I serve him every day and in every place. That no matter where I am or who I'm with, I serve the Lord Christ. Work no longer then becomes just a place we go to to make money. Or an obligation we have to fulfill for our family. Or an obligation we have to fulfill for the church. Or the obligation we have to fulfill for whatever we volunteered for. Or whatever we gave ourselves to. Work no longer becomes just that kind of place. When we do everything in word or deed in the name of Jesus. Then work no longer just becomes a place. It becomes an opportunity to worship. How we do our work can become a testimony of who we are as the people of God. I really believe that as Christians at our workplace, our reputation should be, that one works hard. That one gives everything they have to give. That one doesn't show up 15 minutes late and leave 30 minutes early and take four-hour lunches. Hallelujah. Y'all are like, man, Mark, I just wanted to take a day off. Now you make me feel bad. How we do, it's not just what we do, but how we do our work can become a testimony of who we are as the people of God. Paul also said that as we're doing everything in the name of Jesus, we are to be giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In other words, our doing becomes our act of gratefulness. Work becomes an act of worship. Whatever work it is that we're doing. 
whatever obedience that we're doing, whatever service that we are doing, whatever amount of giving that we're doing, every time we love someone and every time that we spend time in prayer for somebody, every time we reach out to those who are in need, every time we volunteer our time to help somebody, we are doing it in the name of Jesus. And we are doing it with gratefulness to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And therefore, work becomes an opportunity for me to honor God with my life. It becomes an opportunity to me to show God how grateful I am. Why? We should be grateful for the ability to do the work. Because there are some people who can't go to a job 9 to 5 every day because they, ha- they aren't able to. They don't have the physical ability to do so. So if we're able to do so, we should thank God for that. But we should also be grateful for the opportunities that he gives us. Even if we don't work a nine to five or or even if we don't even like the job that we are working. There are opportunities that God gives us to love our kids and to love our family and to reach out to our neighbors or volunteer at the church or give of our time. We always have that opportunity to do and act and obey and commit ourselves to something. Why? Because we serve the Lord Christ. We're not just loving our kids, folks, because we have to. At least we shouldn't be. I'm not, I'm not just loving my wife because I have to. I'm not, I'm not just serving my family or serving the church because I have to. I want to do this heartily as unto the Lord. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Everything that God has placed in my life is a gift and an opportunity for me to work. An opportunity for me to show love. An opportunity for me to extend grace to someone who needs it. We should be thankful for every opportunity he gives us. For those of us who are able and do work a 9 to 5 job. Most of us don't do 9 to 5 anymore, but that's how the song goes, right? 9 to 5. That's what Dolly Parton says. So, At the end of the work week, we may get a paycheck, but we know that our provision comes from the Father. Don't we? Promotion does not come, the Bible says, from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. We may get awarded as parent of the month for our tireless commitment to our families, but we know that it is God who is the protector of our homes. The church may give us a title and recognize our service, but we know that it is God that gets all of the glory for the lives that are affected by our service and our work in the kingdom of God. Why? We serve the Lord Christ. We work for his glory and we offer work as worship to the one who made us and redeemed us and called us to do. He's called us to do. So there are four things I want you to consider this morning about work as we're talking about, as we're celebrating Labor Day and taking the day off by doing so and possibly eating a hamburger here or there or a hot dog or maybe just laying around doing nothing, staring at the TV, say a word. The Bible does give us some insight into work and what what we should apply in our lives. And the first thing is that I want us to know is if, if we can work, we should work. And I believe this is biblical, I believe it's spiritual, I believe it's good for us emotionally, I believe it's good for us uh, physically, I I believe it's good for us spiritually. If we can work, we should work. And again, as I say that, I'm not necessarily saying that you you have to have a job or this job, but if we've got the ability to work, we should do something. Living life expecting others to give us a handout or do the job for us is only going to lead to want. 
We know that there are people in genuine need. And as the people of God, we should look for ways to help folks. If people are in need and they need help, then we need to help. We need to, be, to extend that opportunity of letting people know we care, we love them. We understand that every one of us go through points in our lives where we're not doing what we wanted to do. But an entitlement mentality is antithetical to the biblical view of work. If we feel as though we're always entitled and never giving of ourselves. How many of you have ever known people? Don't point at anyone. You ever known anybody that's high maintenance? You know what high maintenance means? It means they require a lot and give very little. Some of you work with people like that. Some of you have bosses that are like that. Some of you have friends that are like that. You might be in a relationship like that. They require a lot, but they give very little. And lots of times when we have the mentality that somebody else is going to do it or somebody, you know, how many times have we sat in a sanctuary and heard an announcement about an opportunity to minister or volunteer and we sit there and think somebody else will get it done. Somebody else will do it. Or maybe even the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart to do something. And you're saying, God, somebody else better than me can do it. Somebody else more talented than me can do it. How many of you know if God's speaking to you, that means you can do it? That means you can do it. And when we have opportunities placed before us, we should never slough off responsibility to do. Whether it's at a job or whether it's at home raising our kids or whether it's reaching out to a neighbor or a, a brother or sister in Christ, we should never miss the opportunity to do. We should never miss the opportunity to work. If we have the ability to do it, we should. Think of it like this. Obviously, we, we, know, uh, we know that there are some people who, who cheat the system and will live off what the government can give them even though they could go out and work. We know that there are people who do that. I do believe that there are people who do need help. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that there is help available for people who do need help. But there are people who cheat the system. And will try to look for ways to skirt responsibility and do what they need to do. But that doesn't just extend to work. That extends to every area of our lives, folks. We have to take personal responsibility to do what we can do. James even put it like this. If you have a brother come to your door and they're in need and you say, God bless you and be at peace and then shut the door. How is the love of Christ within you? James is saying, if you've got the ability to help, then help. And we should always look for those opportunities. If I can work, if I can do, if I can, then I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm never going to put off on someone else what I have been called to do. I'm never going to put off on someone else what I have been told to do. Let me say this also. How many of you have ever worked with anybody that throws you under the bus? You know what it means to throw you under the bus? Y'all know what that means, right? We kind of have a saying at work. We actually don't even say anything. We just go beep, beep. That means the bus is backing up, right? Getting thrown under the bus means that somebody... Somebody will be quick to say, ah, he didn't do it, right? Well, I would have done it, but Mark did this, or Mark didn't do that, or it was this person's fault, right? Right under the bus. For those of you who are supervisors, that's not a good way to be a supervisor. I just thought I'd let you know. Coaches, coaches in sports, they drive me nuts when they throw players under the bus. You just didn't coach well. 
How about that? We don't cast off responsibility on somebody else when it's our responsibility to do. If we can, we should. The second thing is God can work through your work. God can work through your work. We serve Jesus every day and in every way. So God can use us to help others or provide a benefit for others through the work that we do. Some of you may feel like that what you do doesn't matter. But what you do is providing something to your job, to your workplace, to, your, to those around you. You're providing a service that people may need. Those of you who work in like retail or maybe you work for a, uh, as like a teller. Those of you who work like face-to-face with the public. Sometimes you feel like, you know, I wish I had an office with a door. Those of you who work in cubicles, too, you're like, if I could saran wrap my cubicle, it would be better. Because it's always people, isn't it? It's always people. I remember working at a bank. I won't tell you who I was working for. But I was working at a bank. And um, this uh, lady came up and there was a, uh, the ATM, the back end of it, came into the drive-thru. And she stuck her card in. And you hear beep, 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 beep. You know, and she did her thing. And then the machine starts beeping, right? What's the machine doing? It's telling her, take your card, okay? Take your card. Take your card. Beep, beep, take your card. She's still sitting there. Take your card. So I'm standing there in the ATM going, take your card. So eventually I heard the machine go, it sucked her card in, which is a safety measure for them, right? You don't want to drive off with your card stuck in there and the person behind you pull up and your card's stuck in there. So the machine sucks it in. I don't know if ATMs still do that, but that's the way they did it. Is that how they do it, Ron? So that's the way they did it. So she pulls up to the drive-through window there. Now she's at the right at the window that has no microphone or anything. So she's like, "No, I can't hear." So I'm like, "Go to the other lane so I can hear you." So she backs up and goes to the other lane. You know, she's beep ding. Let me tell you, if you're a drive-through teller, one of the, the worst noises in the world is ding. Ding, ding. So there she is. Ding, ding. I got on and said, yes, ma'am. She's like, your machine took my card. I'm like, okay. So I open up the back of the machine. There's a little slot in there that the cards fall into. I pick the card up. Now, I don't know why, but the bank that I worked for, their policy was if your card was not on their bank. I work for Huntington. Huntington said if the card was not a Huntington card. <laughs> this was in Columbus, Ohio. If the, if the card is not a Huntington card. You can't give it back to them because there was no way to verify why the machine took the card. The machine can take the card because it's been reported stolen. So we can't verify. So she had a chase card. I pulled it out and I'm like, oh. So I got back on the microphone and I said, ma'am, this is not a Huntington card. Our policy is the card has to be kept um, and you will have to get with Chase Bank. How many of you know that didn't go over well? She went into an absolute tirade. Now, here's the wonderful thing about the, the drive through All you got to do is just hit that little button, and you can't hear them anymore. You can stand there like you're listening. You just kind of smile and nod, and they're just out there. You can't hear a word they're saying. You almost want to call people, come over here. You got to watch this lady. She's like screaming at a pole. (laughs) 
And so uh, eventually I told her, you know, she had to come in and talk to the manager. Well, she grabbed the tube out of the thing and went to, she went to throw, she was going to throw it at the window. But when she threw it, the top of it hit the top of her car and it spun in the air and went straight up in the air and slammed down on the ground. And she peeled out and went around the bank. And the next person pulled up and I got on the mic and said, the tube's on the ground if you need it. There are so many stories you could talk, I could tell you, but when you're working with people, sometimes you feel like, gosh, does anything I'm doing matter? But you just need to know that your work is how God works. Do you hear what I'm saying? God doesn't come down and do your job for you. As, as much, even outreaches at the church here, God doesn't come down and do the work. We do the work. We do the obedience and God works through us. And so at our job, when we do our job faithfully and when we do our job with responsibility and when we keep a smile on our face because we've got the microphone off and the woman's yelling at us, we're showing the character of Christ. When we love people, even when they're unlovable, we're showing the character of Christ. When we spend time with our kids, when we've got 5,000 other things we could be doing, but we stop long enough to spend some time with our children, God is working through us. God works through us. Your work. Number three, work doesn't just happen at a job. We may not report somewhere every day, but all of us have responsibilities that we should take seriously. Living a faithful, responsible life honors the God that we serve. When we are people who keep our commitments and keep our word, when we are people who commit ourselves to our families, to our spouses, to our children, when we commit ourselves to raise kids in godliness, when we commit ourselves to serve and to give of our time, we are living a faithful, responsible life, and this honors the God that we serve. Giving of ourselves, whether it's to our families, our neighbors, our church, a charity, some type of volunteer service, whether it's just the giving of ourselves by loving someone or praying for someone or calling somebody and checking out how they're doing or, or, or making friends with people. We are living a life of faithfulness and responsibility and that kind of life, folks, honors God. Work does not just have to happen at a job. Everything we do, the Bible says, in word or in deed, we do it in the name of Jesus. There are some of you that you can, you can look back and you can look over your life and you say, well, you know, I worked this job and I worked this job. And some of you have had 27 jobs and, you know, you, you've got so many jobs. Some of them you don't want to put on your resume. Come on now. Some of you have left some of those out. I don't know what happened there, but you didn't put that one on the resume for some reason. But we've worked a lot of jobs and we look back over our life and maybe we didn't work our dream job, but we worked with our heart wherever we were. You know, and that can even happen in church. Maybe you give of your time at the church. and Maybe it's not really what you feel like, hey, I'm called to do, but you do it with your whole heart anyway. This honors God, folks. This brings praise to him. That's when work becomes worship. And finally, work is worship, but don't worship Work. Work is worship, but don't worship work. We should see that our work can be an act of worship as we do it as unto the Lord and in the name of Jesus. But there are some people that are workaholics. The job becomes a consuming thing. 
It consumes every thought, every process. It consumes everything that you do. It takes up all your time. And then what it ends up doing is it robs you from things that are even more important. It robs you from time many times with your family. It will rob you of physical rest. It will rob you of mental rest. Because we work ourselves and we are consumed by it. Now we might be consumed by work for a lot of reasons. Maybe we're consumed by work because we like the Benjamins. We throw ourselves into work because we like making money. And there's nothing wrong with making money. But if we are consumed with it, then that becomes the love of money. And we know what the love of money does, right? It is the root of all evil. Maybe we are workaholics because, like I said, we don't want to go home. So we work all the time. Maybe we're workaholics because we've allowed our job to be the only thing that defines us. You know, because when we ask people, tell me something about yourself, they'll tell you, most of the time we tell people our name and we tell them where we work. But where we work is not us. Where we work is might, might be one of the things that we do, but it's not us. Your job is not you. And so when we allow ourselves to get caught up in the rat race of trying to get ahead and working ourselves to the point that we no longer see the things that are most important in our lives, then we've gone too far. Because the Bible reminds us, folks, that there is a Sabbath. God created in six days and then took a rest on the seventh. He commanded that a Sabbath be a holy day, a day that we set aside to rest, recuperate, and think. We should allow our work life to be honorable to God, but we should not allow our work life to be the only thing that defines who we are. As much as I believe the Bible encourages us to work, he encourages us to do, he encourages us if you can, then you should. But there are times, folks, that you actually are allowed to say no. There are times that you can actually sit down and say, I'm sitting this one out, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sitting this one out. Because I've got to spend time with my family, or I've got to spend time with my kids, or I need to sit down, or I need to take a rest. There's too much stress. I need to stop for a second and decompress. That's why there's nothing wrong with vacation. There's nothing wrong with taking days off. There's nothing wrong with getting rest. The Bible is emphatic. Work if you can. Rest because God has commanded it. So it's good to see that our work is not just something that we do. But our work can be an offering to God to honor Him with our lives. Why? Because everything I do, I do heartily as unto the Lord. Why? Because I serve the Lord Christ. But I can also honor God with my rest. I honor God with my rest by praying, by listening, by allowing Him to refresh and renew and encourage and to peel off the things that weigh on us and stress us out and refocus us and help us get our priorities straight. I have a lot of respect for people who work and work hard, whether it's at a job or whether it's at their home or whether it's at the church. I have a lot of respect for people who say, hey, if you need me, I'm there. If you need me, give me a tool. I may not know how to use it, but I'll beat something with it. I'll do something. Let me give of myself. Why? Because work is worship. 
And I'm going to do whatever I can to honor God, not just with the songs that I sing on Sunday morning or not just with the prayer time that I have and not just with the Bible reading. I want to find ways to honor God by what I do Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday during my work day. And when my work day's over, I'm going to honor God in my home with my wife and my children and my neighbors and my friends. And I'm going to honor God at my church. And I'm going to give of myself. Why? Because everything I do in word or deed, I should do it as unto the Lord giving honor to him because I serve the Lord Christ. Everybody bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, we are grateful in the name of Jesus. We do honor those who have committed themselves to do when they can, who have committed themselves to volunteer when they can, who have committed themselves to take care of their family and and work and give of their time. We are grateful, Lord, for people who live responsible lives and, and, and those who have committed themselves of giving of themselves in any way they possibly can. And I'm grateful for Living Faith Church and for the many volunteers that step up in this place that do things without notice or without recognition. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who leads a ministry and everyone who helps teach Young people and children who sit in a nursery and change diapers while the rest of us hear preaching. Thank you, Lord, for every single person who cleans and every person who cooks on Wednesday nights and brings food out of that time and effort that they put in. Thank you for every instrument that is played and every song that is sung, every sermon that is preached. Thank you, Lord, for every screen that is ran and every soundboard that is being uh, operated. Thank you, Lord, for, for every person that gives of their time in every outreach. In, in every opportunity. Thank you for the prayer warriors that are in this church that take time out of their day every day to spend in t- time in prayer for this church and for this area and for this ministry. Thank you for people, God, who are designed to work. And so, Lord, just as the Bible says in Nehemiah, Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The Bible says that the people had a mind to work. Lord, give us a mind to work. A mind to get, give of ourselves for your glory and for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. And now I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy, fill our hearts with peace. Help us face the work day, God, with a new attitude of gratefulness, a new attitude of honor towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.